This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Susanna, Amara, Joanna, Noah, Sam, and Benton. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions. Then we'll look at this episode's big question. And as always, we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with a couple of serious questions. Today, we have questions from Susanna and Amara. Here's Susanna's question. Why must we fear God? Susanna, if you wanted to know whether a friend of yours had a relationship with God, the question that you might ask is, do you believe in God? But in the Old Testament, if they were asking a question like that, they would phrase it a little bit differently. They wouldn't necessarily ask, do you believe in God? They would ask, do you fear God? Now, that sounds a little funny to modern ears, because to us, fear means terror. It means being afraid. But the Bible uses the word fear in a more complicated way that can be difficult to translate into our modern English or or our modern sensibilities. So fearing God in the Bible is what we might call a good fear, not a bad one. So people in Scripture who fear God have respect for him. They are in awe of him. They tremble at the thought of his greatness and his holiness. They obey him and they glorify him. Now, what's nice to me about this expression, fearing God, is that it emphasizes something important, that faith is not just about what you believe, it's about what you practice, which is why, again, in olden days, we might ask, do you practice your faith? What faith do you practice? Because faith isn't just an intellectual proposition. It's not just what I think in my head. It's also how I live. Now, every human being was made in the image of God, and that means that every human being has a relationship with God. It's just that many human beings have a bad relationship with God because They don't even acknowledge that God is God. They act as if he doesn't exist. They don't worship him. They don't love him. They don't obey him. They don't stand in awe of him. It's as if there were no God. And the worship that they ought to give to their creator instead is focused on the creature, is focused on themselves. So in Old Testament language, we would say they do not fear God. So the reason that we must fear God is that God made us, and through Jesus, he saves all those who believe. And when we talk about the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, that's the kind of fear that we're talking about, a fear that leads us to be in awe of him, to worship him, to love him, and to adore him. Now, should we be terrified of God? To be honest with you, as sinners, there are times when we should be a little afraid of a holy God. So there is also a fear-fear component here that we should be in awe of 
the holiness and the judgment of God as well. We should respect him for who he is. And all of that is tied up in the idea of fearing God. So, yes, we should be God-fearing people, but that doesn't just mean that we should be afraid of God. We should be in awe of him, respecting him. We should serve him and love him and worship him. And all of that is tied up in that term, the fear of the Lord. Our next question from Amara is about Good Friday. This is perfect timing because our Good Friday service is coming up at the end of this week. She asks, why do they call Good Friday good? Because it seems like it was a bad day for Jesus. Well, that's a great question. In fact, Amara, that's such a good question that we actually talk about it in our order of worship for Good Friday each year. So let me start by reading you what it says. How can we call the Friday of Christ's death good? Surely it was a terrible injustice. Only when we realize that through death Jesus conquered death can we call it good. Only when we see that his death was the final Passover sacrifice that atoned for all our sin. He had to die so that we might live. So let us contemplate the end of every sacrifice on the day the Lamb of God was slain. So, if you think about that, what we're saying is this. Good Friday is good, not because of what Jesus suffered, but because of what his suffering accomplished for us, what he achieved on the cross. If you think about it, the cross should have been a defeat. If your king comes and then he's put to death, then it seems like he's lost the battle. But in this case, Jesus hadn't lost. He'd actually won. Here's the thing. Death is a penalty for sin. And Jesus was without sin. So through his innocence, he conquered death. The grave could not hold him. And he raised again. And because of the cross, everyone who looks to Jesus for salvation will be raised again just like him. And that's why we say that the day of crucifixion was a good day. It's true, a lot of bad things happened on that day. But in the end, grace won. And that's why Good Friday was good. Now it's time for the big question. This week's big question comes from Joanna, who wants to know this. How can I do everything for the glory of God? Well, first, Joanna, I want to remind you of something that I said in my sermon on Zechariah 6, verses 9 through 13. I said this, the way to crown Jesus is to sacrifice what you value in order to glorify God. Now, you can listen to that whole sermon for the larger context, but I want to focus on the idea of sacrificing things to glorify God, because that will help us answer the bigger question about doing everything for the glory of God. Now, usually we use things to glorify ourselves. We don't call it that, of course. Instead, we say things like, uh, I want to be happy or I want to have fun, or something like that. 
So for example, if I have $100, I could sacrifice that money in order to gain something that I would enjoy. And by devoting that resource to myself, in a way, I'm glorifying myself. By giving up that money for my own happiness, I'm putting the focus on me and I'm glorifying me. Now, in the Bible, there was a woman who had a great treasure, a precious perfume, something she could have used for years to make herself smell nice. Instead, though, she anointed Jesus with it. Now, at the time, there were people who thought that what she did was a waste. Uh, if she wasn't going to use that perfume for herself, then she could have sold it and she could have donated the money. But instead of doing that, she made a deliberate decision. She sacrificed what she valued in order to honor Jesus. And that action of hers is exactly what I'm talking about here. When we give things up that could be used for our own happiness, for our own enjoyment, and instead we use them to glorify God. That's what we're talking about here. So everything that we have comes from God. But usually we focus on how we can satisfy our own desires with what God has given us. And that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that because the reason that God provides for us is so that our desires and our needs can be met. So that's legitimate. But in addition to that, we should also want to use what God gives us in order to glorify him. So the question is, how can I do everything to the glory of God? The simplest answer is to look at the motive for our action, to ask ourselves why we do what we do. Because if we do things for the right reasons, then the things that we do oftentimes will be the right things. So when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He gave a two-part answer from the Old Testament, which was basically this. The greatest commandment is to love God with your whole being and to love your neighbor as yourself. So with that in mind, if you're trying to figure out what glorifies God, here it is. Actions that flow from the love of God and the love of our neighbors. That's what glorifies God. If I repurpose my resources to do things out of a love for God, that glorifies him because it shows that I trust in him. It shows that I care about what he cares about and that I'm not worried whether or not he will provide for me. I trust in him to do that and I'm willing to give of what I have to repurpose it for his glory, to serve him. And by the same token, if I sacrifice on behalf of my neighbor, if I put the cares of other people ahead of myself, that glorifies God. Now, because of my sin, I, I don't always understand what love is, and this is a challenge that you'll face as well. Sometimes we want to convince ourselves that the selfish thing is actually the most loving thing so that we can justify our selfishness and using what we have in order to please ourselves. So that introduces a little bit of a challenge. 
if I can't trust myself always to know what the loving thing is, where should I look to find out what is truly loving? Well, the answer to that question, of course, must be God's word. I have to look to God's commands. I have to look to Jesus's example. If I look at what God says and I look at the way that Jesus lived, then I have a template for how to live a loving life. I can see what's really loving and what really glorifies God. So to glorify God in everything we do, we need to focus on loving God and loving our neighbor. And we need to learn what love means from the Bible. Now, of course, doing everything that you do for the glory of God, that can be difficult because of that problem of sin that I alluded to already. None of us will love perfectly in this lifetime, but that's no reason to despair. That's the reason why God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working in us gives us the ability to love better and better. So while it is impossible for us to glorify God in every single thing that we do, it is right for us to aspire to glorify him, to want to glorify him in as many ways as we can, to want to love as as well as we can, and to trust in God's spirit working in us to help us to do that. During our final segment, as always, we'll be tackling some fun questions. We have three this time from Noah, Sam, and Benton. Noah has a question about the cover art for The Big Question. He asks, is the boy in the picture of The Big Question you when you were little? Noah, I completely understand why you might think that, because that boy is very handsome, like me, and he's also wearing a bow tie, which I also like to do. And here's another fact that not many people know. As a child, I was actually a runner-up in a child modeling contest, so it makes perfect sense to think that little Mark might be on the cover of The Big Question. The problem is that contest was held in 1972. And back then, all our photography looked a little uh, old-fashioned. All my childhood photos look literally like they came from an earlier century. And now that I think about it, they actually did. So no, the boy in the photo isn't me, but not because I wasn't cute enough. I definitely was. We just weren't thinking about taking photos for podcast covers when I was a little boy. Now we have a culinary question from Sam. He asks, if you had to choose between frozen Reese's peanut butter cups and ice cream cake, what would you choose? It's funny you should ask this, Sam, because I have a related question from Benton that brings up ice cream cake too. Benton asks, Would you please wish me a happy birthday? My birthday is March the 28th. Also, I will be having ice cream cake. Notice here that Benton doesn't offer to share his cake with me. He's just letting me know what's on the menu. So to answer Sam's question, it looks like I'm not being offered any ice cream cake, so I will have to make do with frozen peanut butter cups instead. 
which I'm happy to do. And Benton, absolutely. It's great to know that this is your birthday. Your birthday falls on Palm Sunday this year, which is all the more reason to celebrate. I think ice cream cake is a wonderful way to do that. So I hope you'll all join me in wishing Benton a happy birthday. So Benton, happy birthday and enjoy your cake. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Until next time, remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will always stand up to scrutiny. So until next time, keep asking the big questions.